Welcome to the Blessed Sacrament Parish Community Podcast, where our mission is to help everyone recognize and experience the presence of God. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Blessed Sacrament Parish Community Podcast. I am Kristen Russell, and I am joined today by Lynn Pike. Hey, happy to be back! So today's topic is the saints, and this is a very timely topic because our mission this year was based on the saints and how we can become saints day by day. Uh, All Saints Day is coming up this Friday, and All Souls Day is on November 2nd. Lots of things coming up about the saints. And not only are we having some liturgical feast days, but here at Blessed Sacrament, we're also starting a brand new program called The Saints. So it's based off of Father James Martin's book, Who Cares About the Saints? So Lynn and I are here, and we care about the saints, so we decided to do a podcast on it. So step one of the podcast is we're going to dispel some myths. We have five of them here. And the first one is, as Catholics, we worship the saints. Kristen, I think this is like the most perfect jumping off point because um, I think the world at large and many other Christian faiths think that we worship the saints. And sometimes maybe some of our practices... um, make it look like we worship the saints. So we kind of do that to ourselves in some way, but let's get it out there. Tell your grandma, remind her, tell your friends, we don't worship the saints. We only worship God. We do have reverence for the saints in heaven because of their great faith and their relationship with God. But again, we don't worship them. The statues, holy cards, medals, the icons of Mary and the saints that many of us display, and in fact, a lot of us wear, right? we wear our medals, um, are a visible way to draw our attention to God who is invisible. For example, the Pike family has a statue of St. Francis on our patio. So we don't go and stand around the statue and um, pray to it. And we certainly don't believe that the statue is a manifestation of St. Francis. Woo, he's right here on our patio. But every time I see it, it reminds me of the goodness of God, the goodness of God's creation, and how I'm called to care for it. It draws me to something deeper. And so I'm grateful to St. Francis of Assisi on the patio of the Pikes. Yeah, we definitely don't worship the saints. We're just there to say, hey, guys, thank you, kind of a thing like that, or ladies. Um, Number two, saints are just a Catholic thing. Actually, Kristen, um, many of our Protestant brothers and sisters, such as the Lutherans, Episcopalians, Methodists, and some Anglicans, look to the saints as examples of how best to live out the Christian life. Uh, In fact, if you're driving around Midland, uh, you probably will see some churches that aren't Catholic churches that are named for saints. So I kind of challenge you as you're looking about, um, just keep your eye out and see some of the other um, churches that have saints' names. And right off the bat, I can think of two non-Catholic churches that have saints' names. Um, so again, take a take a drive, and you'll probably find two or three of them. Um, number three, saints answer prayer. This kind of goes back to number one. Just like we only worship God, only God can answer prayer. The saints do not answer prayer. But what we do ask for is that the saints would pray with us and that they would pray for us. But we don't do that with the understanding that they will answer it. They're just praying along with us. Number four, devotions to the saints are magic. And here's where we need to be a little bit careful because we have lots of traditions 
and some quaint practices that have been built up over the centuries that have to do with patron saints and protection and certain prayer devotions that could kind of border on superstition. And let me give you another example here. So the St. Anthony prayer. Um, I bet lots of us listening out there today have misplaced at least one thing in our life, right? And so we go back in our little Catholic treasury in our heads and we pray the St. Anthony prayer. And sometimes if you're like me, you pray it multiple times and it goes something like, there are different variations, but dear St. Anthony, please come round. Something's lost and can't be found, right? So that's one of our um, our, our little traditions or um you know, like a little devotion that we have. And then there's another one too, when people sell their houses. A lot of times we'll get a little statue of St. Joseph and we'll dig a hole out in the garden and we bury him upside down and people have certain ideas about which direction, you know, you should face and you cover him up then in the soil. And not only is that supposed to help you sell your house, but it help you sell it quick, right? So it can look like to outside people that we have these magical traditions around the saints. But again, they're not magical. They can't answer prayer. But certainly I believe St. Anthony and St. Joseph can pray for and with us while we go through issues and events in our lives. Like, you know, it's frustrating when you lose something. It's hard to sell a house, right? And then we're asking really for their prayers. And I think, again, those little traditions, they're pointing us again back to our roots and our faith in Jesus. So they're reminders to us of prayer and holiness in all circumstances, and in particular some of the difficult circumstances in our life. All right, number five, last but not least, and probably not the last myth out there, only perfect Christians can become saints. I think this can be one of the biggest discouragers to people because they think they aren't called to holiness or that I could never be like um, St. Teresa of Calcutta or I could never be Dorothy Day or I could never be a great evangelist. But being a saint does not mean being perfect. If you had to be perfect to be a saint, there wouldn't be any saints at all except for Mary, right? So saint actually means holy one. And St. Paul repeatedly referred to the early Christians that he wrote to as the holy ones. And most likely he would consider us to be holy ones as well, because to be holy is to be set apart for God and for living out God's mission on earth. And we're all called to that. We're all God's holy ones set apart for mission. And so that kind of begs the question, if number five, only perfect Christians become saints is not true, what makes a saint? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important to say, like, there are no cookie cutter saints. You know, you don't go to the saint store and get a cookie cutter and you, <laughs> you know, bake out, uh, you know, a hundred trees of Avila's. Each saint is very, very different and they all have different approaches um, to their lives and who they were. Saints can be scholars, farmers, activists, teachers, preachers, popes. Martyrs, sisters, brothers, priests, lay people, and people of all abilities and different gifts. And so again, it it does make me ask the question, like, what ties all of these people together and what makes them saint-like? What Mm -hmm. makes them holy, set apart? And And this isn't magic either, Kristen. It's it's not. No, this Mm -hmm. is not magic. This is who they are. And who they are, I think, you know, for me, my basic definition of a saint is a person who encounters Jesus in their everyday life and allows that encounter to change them. That's not magic at all. 
That's incredibly practical. That's incredibly attainable for each and every one of us. And so the encounter with Jesus that these saints have had has changed them. And therefore it's changed the way that they've worked in the world. So that is what I think makes a person a saint. And I'm sure we all know a saint, you know, someone who's a part of the communion of saints, uh, take your church name or whatever, you know, that could be, you know, maybe the only saint that you know. But I would also argue that each of us knows a saint who's been in our lives in a very real and personal way. Um, It could have been, you know, a friend, a family member who has passed before us, but you're like, man, they are a saint in my book. Yeah, and there's something too about that relationship that you had with them, that person, right? So they encouraged you in your faith and the relationship with them transformed your life in Mm -hmm. some ways, deepened your faith, encouraged you in many ways um, to keep moving on and to deepen your own faith. Absolutely. Because again, they've had that encounter with God. They've had that encounter with Jesus. And you're like, there is something about them. Something special. And Mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because we think sometimes we think, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to be like Mother Teresa. Never going to be like St. Teresa of Calcutta, right? But if it's a friend or a family member, you're like, I really appreciate how, you know, insert person here approached their faith. Mm -hmm. But there are some people who have been given the distinction by the church as models of faith to encourage us on our journey. And these are what we would refer to as the canonized saints of the church. And like everything in the church, there's a process. (laughs) And some rules. And some rules that go along with it. Um, The first step to becoming a saint is a person has to die. It is that simple. Um, Someone must die in order to become a saint. And there's usually an official saint. An official saint, yes. And there's usually a five year waiting period. Um, This can be waived by the sitting pope, um, but usually there's a five year waiting period. And then usually the bishop of the diocese initiates an investigation into the candidate's life because they want to have full documentation of a person's life. And at this stage, they are referred to as a servant of God. Once this complete account of their life has been put together, it's sent to the congregation for the causes of the saints. And this is where, you know, a commission gets together and they continue to just dig a little bit deeper into this person's life because they really, they want to have a full understanding of who this person was and the transformation that has taken place in their life. The congregation then decides whether or not to recommend to the Pope a decree of heroic virtue. And if they do, and the Pope says, yep, I agree, this person has heroic virtues, then the candidate is declared venerable. From there, a miracle is required, and uh, they can proceed to the next step, which is then beatification, where they're given the title of blessed. But these miracles, because there's a miracle in the next step as well, but these miracles aren't just like, oh, we feel like it's a miracle. Mm -hmm. Like these miracles aren't deemed a miracle until they've gone through scrutiny by a theological commission and a scientific commission. Because if there's a scientific explanation for what has happened, they want to honor that. Because again, it's not magic. Exactly. It is not magic. Mm -hmm. Um, So if this miracle is found out to be a miracle and attributed to the intercession of this candidate's prayer, uh, then yeah, they're moved on to to blessed. Now, if they're martyred for the faith, for example, Oscar Romero was killed for his faith. He was actually killed while saying mass. If you're martyred for the faith, you automatically earn the title of blessed, which I think is is fair. Fair, absolutely. <laughs> um, so from here, 
after beatification, there another, like I said, another miracle is required before canonization. Once the Pope approves the miracle, the rites of canonization can take place. And in the rites of canonization, the Pope infallibly declares that the person is with God and worthy of imitation as a faithful disciple of Christ. That's a mouthful. But what I want to make, what I want to stress to everyone is that the Pope does not make someone a saint. The church does not make someone a saint. Mm -hmm. The Pope and the church recognize that this person is a saint and was a saint. Their life reflects that saintliness, that set-apartness, that holiness that, you know, we all hope to attain. And I think that that's a, a, a really great distinction. And when we kind of remember that the church doesn't make a saint, it kind of goes back to those myths like, no, none of those are true because this is this person has become a saint based on their own merit. Yeah. Based know? on the way they chose to live their life. Basically just wrote a paper for you guys and you got to listen to me read it. Um, but that also brings up another question. Why do we care about the saints? Well, before I move on, I just want to thank Kristen for that description of um, the canonization process. Um, it is a little difficult to navigate on your own, and I appreciate the way that she broke it down um, stepwise for us. And um, I'm actually going to use that in my little class that I'll be teaching here <laughs> coming up because I think it was a really good way to help break that down and help people understand that process a little more. So, so Kristen asked, why do we care about the saints? Well, the first reason I care about the saints is that they're awesome role models for us. Um, it's in remembering that they've experienced similar trials and triumphs. Um, you know, just the general human messiness of life. They were human beings who walked and talked and, and lived lives and all kinds of ups and downs in their lives. They, they didn't like pop out of the womb like holy and perfect. And they were people and they were babies and then adults and they walked through their life. And so it's a great reminder for us to know that it's a journey and that um, the saints went through the same ups and downs. And sometimes they did it with grace, and sometimes they tripped and fell down a lot and stumbled and took wrong turns. But again, that's why they're such great role models. And I, I actually kind of love the stories of the saints who didn't always handle their humanness with grace. I'm looking at you, St. Augustine. Um, the point is that eventually they had that encounter with Jesus eventually they came to know God's love in their life, and it changed them. And I'm, I am going to drop another name right here. Um, St. Mary, Mother of Jesus, you guys may know her. The name. It's the name to drop. The, the name to drop, yep. She was changed through her encounter with God, and she allowed each of us to have a deeper relationship with God through Jesus. So I just want to say kudos to Mary for showing us all what a devoted disciple of Jesus looks like. Um, another reason that we care about the saints is that saints pray with us and for us. And we already kind of mentioned that when we were dispelling some of the myths. Again, they're not magic, but they intercede on our behalf. This is no different than asking one of your friends here on earth to pray for you, right? Um, saints are just already part of the heavenly host. They're already with God. And so we ask them to pray for us. I love when we sing the litany of the saints during Easter Vigil, and we do the part, we sing the part that goes, all you holy men and women, pray for us. And it just makes me feel so connected to the faithful who have come before us. I love the notion 
of the community of saints in general. Uh, because in our book that we're reading by Joe Paprocki in Practice Makes Catholic, he points out that Catholicism, therefore, is not a me and God experience, but an experience of finding God in all people. Our commitment to community is so strong that not even death separates us from one another. And I just think that's such a beautiful notion. And I know Kristen and um, Father Rob had talked about uh, at the Eucharist. When we celebrate the Eucharist, we're celebrating with the saints in heaven all at the same time as we're celebrating the Eucharist here on earth. And I just want to do just a quick little reflection on the very first night of the mission Um, At the end, they had a slideshow that showed slides of, you know, canonized saints and other saintly people in our lives. And I was looking at that and I got a little teary eyed because I felt like I was looking at this amazing family album of all of these wonderful people who I, I didn't know any of them. I knew of Bishop Ken, but I didn't know him. And yet I felt this deep connection and that we were all family and that we were really all there together. So I think that's another reason to love them. They're part of our, our big family and we're always connected. And I love the saints too. And I care about the saints because when you find one that you connect with, it is, it really is a a connection that is weird in some way (laughs) because you've never met these people. Like you've heard about them. You're, you're hearing about them either through their writing or other people's stories about them. And so for me, I can think of a couple of examples of where saints have become more than just stories. They've actually become friends in a way, like Mm -hmm. friends on a journey and they're spiritual friends on a spiritual journey. I love to turn to writings or quotes or certain quotes of, of holy men and women that help me on my journey. And I think that's the whole point. Like if we're all called to be saints, like whatever you got to do, you know, to continue on that journey, I think is a beautiful thing. And so I have to ask, Lynn, do you have any favorite saints? You know, it's funny, Kristen, because I used to struggle with the idea of the saints. Like for me, one of the main ways in our house, like we, we had a statue of St. Patrick, which is so funny because we were German and Italian, but for whatever reason, we had a statue of St. Patrick and we all used to squabble over who got to use them in our homemade manger scenes on our dressers because um, clearly he was going to be Joseph in the, you know, whatever our little mangers were. But we didn't spend a lot of time talking about the saints as I was growing up. Um, And I always felt like I could pray right to God. And if only God could answer my prayers, then what was the point in praying with and to the saints? And frankly, I hadn't really thought about favorite saints for much of my life. And it wasn't until I borrowed uh, a book from Deacon Mike Jankowiak about 10 years ago. And it was Father James Martin's book, My Life with the Saints. And it really made me start to think about the humanness and holiness of these people the church designates as official saints. And again, I think I had been out of touch with their humanness and they seemed so far away to me um, that it didn't make sense until I started to read this book. So number one for me right right now um, is St. Catherine of Siena. And she's actually become one of my favorite saints. And I came to know her because I was looking up family birthdays and seeing what saints were celebrated on that day. And St. Catherine's feast day is my birthday, which then caused me to go a little bit deeper and read about her life. And so I'm going to tell you just a little bit about her. She was actually born in 1347 and died in 1380. And she was very influential with Pope Gregory XI. And he sent her to like negotiate peace with Florence 
Florence, and she wrote to cardinals and princes about obedience to the Pope. She was an author, and she was a mystic. She is the patron saint of Rome and a doctor of the church. She was strong and brave and spoke and acted with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's be clear. I don't love her because I am like her. I love her because her life encourages me when I feel that I can't say or do the hard thing. And I ask her to pray for me to accomplish those tasks. And it's interesting. I was um, at a gathering of many different Christian denominations in Chicago this past weekend. And um, speaking up was kind of hard right? Because, oh my gosh, and for heaven's sake, I'm Catholic and I'm there with evangelical Lutherans and um, Presbyterians and the Methodists and Reformed, Dutch Reformed, like it was all kinds of people and feeling confident and brave enough, not to be argumentative, just to feel like I could say what I needed to say. I actually used St. Catherine quite a bit last week asking her for her prayers and intercessions. So um, she's kind of like my current go-to And then the next two saints on my list are contemporaries from the 20th century. And one is not a surprise at all, and the other one might be a little bit. So the first one is Servant of God, Dorothy Day. And then my second one is St. Teresa of Calcutta. So I think Dorothy Day is a wonderful and amazing example of how you don't have to be perfect. In fact, you aren't perfect. You don't have to have a perfect life to be a saint. She was another strong-willed and intelligent and compassionate woman. And at one point in her life, she had an abortion. And later in life, she had a daughter named Tamar. And she had Tamar with a man whom she wasn't married to. And both of these actions would seem to us reasons to not be considered an official saint. But I think it's beautiful how God used all of Dorothy's life to make her the saint that she became. And Dorothy converted to Catholicism after deciding to have Tamar baptized. And so um, Dorothy devoted her whole life to the poor in New York City and was co-founder of the Catholic Worker Movement. And she was also an advocate for peace and justice. So Dorothy Day reminds me that my life is a journey. God uses all of our lives, the little broken down bits and the strongest, best and brightest bits, all of it. Um, God will use it for good if we allow God to do that. And Dorothy always reminds me to think of others and to be an advocate for peace, even if it's just peace within my home, peace in the work environment, um, to take small steps for peace. And finally, it's St. Teresa of Calcutta, oh, Mother Teresa, right? So many people, when you ask them, even people who aren't Catholic, think about Mother Teresa as such a holy person and a great person. She was small and fierce and I think sometimes we forget that because she was small and holy and prayerful and, and loving, but she really was fierce, but not in a loud or rough way, but with the authority of Jesus and all that she said and all that she did. And leaders of nations listened to her. And when she needed financial help to fund the work of the missionaries of charity, she asked without hesitation, without apology, and God provided. She had a way of transforming people's hearts and minds. So, of course, I'm no Mother Teresa either. But her encouragement for doing little things with great love and remembering to smile whenever you see a person because a smile is a way to bring peace to people's life, Mm -hmm. that these little things are things I can do every day. And the little things are important. And I love her quote that goes, the reason we don't know peace is that we've forgotten that we belong to each other. That makes me teary-eyed every time we say it. We've forgotten that we are our brother's keepers and our sister's keepers, that we belong to each other. And 
in the work that I do and just in my relationship with people in the real world, you know, when I'm at the grocery or wherever I am, that inspires me. We do belong to each other and we need to care about everybody, the person on the border, the the homeless person, you know, people who are different than us in any way. We belong to each other. How about you, Kristen? I have quite a few favorite saints and uh, the one I my go-to, my my go-to homegirl is Saint Teresa of Avila. She was a Carmelite sister who lived in the 15 or 1600s, oh, whatever. Um, but she was a force to be reckoned with. Um, she, uh, one of my favorite books is the book of her life. It's her autobiography, and I just kind of, you know, sometimes your relationship with God isn't going well, and or you perceive that it's not going well, and. I loved Teresa of Avila because she was having an, a conversation, a, a very deep and maybe argumentative conversation <laughs> with God, we'll say. And she was riding her horse as she was doing all of this. And all of a sudden, um, her horse startled and she was bucked off. And as she stood back up, she looked to the sky and she said, God, if this is how you treat your friends, it is no wonder you have so few <laughs> For my prayer life, like that actually kind of gave life to my prayer life because it's like I can talk to God and I can be real with him. It doesn't have to be um, recited prayers. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, just traditional ways. Like you can have a conversation with God and you can tell God what's on your heart. And when you're disgruntled with God, you can tell God that too. Um, I'm hoping, I haven't been on a horse since I've read this book because I am a little scared that I, I might get bucked off. Um, but yeah, Teresa of Avila is definitely one of my go-tos. Uh, and when I talked earlier about having spiritual friends, like she is hands down one of my one of my spiritual friends as I go through life, because I, I do rely on her writings and her reflections and her idea of a spiritual life mm-hmm. and what that looks like, um, what your interior soul looks like, and how that relates to God is awesome and it's beautiful and challenging and so she's definitely one of those spiritual friends and one of my favorite saints my second favorite saint is saint augustine because definition of a wild child he's it um big shout out to saint monica his mother who prayed without ceasing for her son for the conversion of her son but he was i mean he dabbled in what the church would deem heresies. He uh, was more about the earthly life than the spiritual life. He had a son out of wedlock. Like he was, like I said, a wild child, but he had a conversion in a garden and that is where he met Jesus. And his experience with Jesus absolutely changed his life. And I think that that is a hopeful Mm-hmm. for everyone that it doesn't matter what you've done in your past like once you have that experience with Jesus it's like it is life-changing we throw that term around a lot um but Jesus will change your life and then the past doesn't matter I think it's Rafiki and the Lion King that says it does not matter it's in the past like we're looking to the future and that's what St. Augustine was doing and I love his mind he's brilliant and my first encounter with him was in college and I read his like a thousand page book on the trinity where at the end he basically is like but this is all conjecture because we don't know the trinity is a mystery and I was like I just spent an entire semester working my way through this thanks St. Augustine but if you if you're looking for some reading I highly recommend his confessions it's the 
it's once again, it's an autobiography of his life and you can see his progression, um, coming. Cause sometimes he's like, Ooh, he, he maybe wanted to believe in God mm. and, and meet Jesus. And he's like, never mind, That seems too hard. Um, and I did a, a study with some high schoolers, uh, just on excerpts of the confessions from St. Augustine. And one of the high schoolers at the end of, you know, the three meetings that we had, she looked at me, she said, this gives me so much hope mm-hmm. because if St. Augustine can be like named a saint in the church, like that gives me a lot of hope that <laughs> I I can also be named a saint. And I, I just want to point out that it's not that we're striving to be named a saint. Mm-hmm. We're striving to be saints, like um, to be holy and to be changed. And that's going to bring me up to my third, um, my, my third favorite saint. And this is not a saint who is been recognized as a saint by the Catholic church. And this third saint is my grandma, Grammy, as, uh, she was well known with my, with friends and family because she had a saying, you'd introduce her to people. And she said, just call me Grammy because once you're a grandma, you're everyone's grandma. But one of the reasons she is, you know, one of my favorite saints is her faith was number one in her life. And she passed down that faith. She had seven kids and she played church or played the organ at church. Mm-hmm. And I, w- you know, she got me to play guitar with her on Christmas day mass at eight thirty in the morning. Um, you know, many times, but everything she did was surrounded by faith. When we were making cinnamon rolls, we had some of the best conversations about God and Jesus. And I I grew in my faith through those conversations. And she loved without boundaries. And Father Rob talked a couple of weeks ago in his homily about loving without boundaries. And he used the example of Bishop Ken's mom. And I could see, you know, as he was saying preaching, I was thinking about Grammy and the ways that she loved she was the first to know everything in our family because you just couldn't help but tell Grammy mm. everything. So, you know, she loved without boundaries. And yes, she got frustrated with people, but hey, that's where we are talking about that humanness, right? Like yeah. we all get frustrated, but she always came out on the other side and she always came out with love. And so she is my my number three favorite saint. Again, not uh, has not been recognized as a saint, but she's recognized as a saint, as holy in my book. And maybe you have someone in your life you know, who you look at their life, whether alive or have passed away, and you say to yourself, that's a life that has lived for God. And with All Souls Day coming up, um, I think that's a wonderful time to really intentionally stop and think about those people in your life who came before you. And, you know, share those if you've got children at home. Talk about those people, you know, if it was your grandma or your mom, or and bring out pictures, mm-hmm. And, and spend a little time, maybe in the month of November, if you don't have time on, on Saturday, on All Souls Day, to really talk about why those lives were meaningful to you. It's a great way for us to keep carrying on the family traditions mm-hmm. of faith um, and connecting us all together. So I just want to say thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And I'm also going, I'm going to jump on Lynn's bandwagon and challenge you to think about um, a saint, canonized or not, who has impacted your life. And we would love to know who that is. And you can let us know on Facebook, Instagram, or by email. And also, Lynn, thank you for being here today to chat about the saints. Um, And go ahead, shameless plug for the new program coming out. Well, first of all, it was fun to be back, Kristen. And um, I always learn a lot when I sit here with you. And I always have such a great time. So um, we just take our conversation from our office and put it in here in front of the microphone. So 
it's it's a blessing walking the saintly life and journey to holiness with you first and foremost. Shameless plug, that's point number two. Beginning Thursday, November 7th at 7 o'clock, we're going to be using Father James Martin's book, My Life with the Saints, and he has a little video series with little vignettes of um, the lives of saints called Who Cares About the Saints? And we're going to kind of go through this and uh, what we're trying to learn about or enrich our life with is who were some of the pivotal people in the history of our church? What does it mean to be an official saint? Kristen's already touched on that. And then how we are all saints in training, right? Let's get back to that team Catholic. We're all saints in training and how the saints in heaven are part of team Catholic and they're cheering us on and they're praying for us. Um, Some of the great news, no book to buy, no homework to do. Um, We're going to spend time thinking about how these people's humanness and their holiness impact our life and how we can value all of our humanity too and that God made us as individuals. So what's your gift? How are you blessed? And uh, how we can share that with the world. Excellent. So make sure you sign up. You can sign up online or by emailing Lynn. Um, And finally, uh, one thing I realized we didn't mention is that there's a patron saint for just about anything. I did a little research, and apparently St. Gabriel the Archangel is the patron saint of communication workers and radio broadcasters. So I'm just going to go ahead and call him also the unofficial patron saint of podcasts. And I just want to say, have a great day, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And St. Gabriel the Archangel, pray pray for for us. us.